This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Want to patent your invention? The chance is near. You've given it heart. Now get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Welcome to Passage to Profit. This is Richard Gearhart. And Elizabeth Gearhart. Passage to Profit is all about entrepreneurs and intellectual property and the inventions that they bring. And we are filming from the Gearhart Law Law Building. It's quarantine time. We're doing this on Zoom, but we have a wonderful show. Before we get started, we want to talk a little bit about our guests on the show today. With us is celebrity entrepreneur Clint Arthur. Hey, everybody. Great to be with you. Thanks for having me back. This is my second time here on this show, and I had a great time first time and I'm sure it's going to be amazing this time too. It was absolutely a blast having you on the show the last time. But before we get started with Clint, we'd like to talk a little bit about intellectual property. The first piece is what is the patent office doing for inventions during the time of COVID? I read this interesting article. Let me find it. So this was in the National Law Review. The patent office is part of the government, right? It's part of the Department of Commerce run by the federal government. That's why the patent system is federal, right? Yeah. So if you get a patent on, say, a really great COVID vaccine, they can take it. Yeah, they can, as a matter of fact. But typically they won't. Typically right. they will let you have your own patent. But they won't, according to this article, they will not let you charge an exorbitant price for this vaccine. So. Right. They say in this article that, for example, with anthrax in the early 2000s, do y'all remember anthrax, the envelopes being mailed to people <laughs> to try to poison them to death? Um, a pharmaceutical company had a patent for the antidote, and they were going to be faced with action by the federal government, so they ultimately responded by supplying it to the public the antidote to the public at a 50% discount. So that's the kind of thing that's probably going on now so that people who need the vaccine and need the cures can get them without getting robbed or going broke, hopefully. Yeah, I mean, Gerhard Law has been besieged with inventions during the COVID outbreak. There's so much innovation going on in the space right now. Everything from different kinds of masks to life science inventions for different vaccines. So uh, necessity really is the mother of invention. And we have gotten lots and lots of projects from people who are trying to contribute and improve things with the COVID situation overall. And in order to accommodate that, the U.S. Government Patent Office has actually created a special program for COVID entrepreneurs, which accelerates the time that somebody can get their patent or intellectual property granted if it's related to the COVID virus. So this comes to medical devices, masks, software, telemedicine, whatever gets connected to the COVID virus can be pushed through the patent office and accelerated rate. So it's really an advantage for entrepreneurs and if you are in the space right now, you really ought to take advantage of this program. Another thing, though, that Elizabeth was mentioning is that the government does, in certain circumstances, retain a margin rights to acquire rights to your idea. So, in fact, the government's never really exercised those rights. In the case that Elizabeth mentioned, it was just a threat, and that was enough to get the company to make some accommodations to actually give a price break. So the likelihood that the government's going to come in and actually force you to take a license is relatively low. That shouldn't be an inhibition to you filing your intellectual property. I think once the urgency around some of the coronavirus issues slows down, it'll be very favorable for people who are still working in the the space and a lot of the inventions that come from COVID can be used in other medical applications. So that and they can expedite the applications, right? Absolutely. So normally it takes anywhere from 22 to 36 months to get a patent granted. If you're a COVID inventor, you can get your invention within a year. All good news for Corona entrepreneurs. So invent away, unless, <laughs> of course, you're trying to copy 3M because that's our next story. Right. And so 3M, actually, they've been selling the N95 masks forever. And once the coronavirus pandemic exploded, 3M 
found that their brand was just being destroyed because of all the N95 ripoffs. And so what 3M did was they went on a suing spree and they've been suing people all over the country and they've been winning. They've been getting preliminary injunctions, temporary injunctions for people who are destroying their brand. Now, 3M doesn't actually have a trademark on the word N95, you can't get that because it's a certification. But 3M has actually been very successful in policing their brand. And so besides the trademark, they're like using federal statutes, I won't go into them here, but there's lots of options for intellectual property owners and it can make a real difference. And they're smart to take advantage. They're donating all the proceeds from the lawsuits to COVID charities. They're not just doing it for the money. They're trying to protect the integrity of their brand and of the mass. Yeah, because that's one thing trademarks do. If somebody rips you off and makes an inferior product and people think they're buying your product and it's a piece of junk, then that's no good, right? (laughs) (laughs) That's it for the uh, IP lesson of the week. So people who've been following the show who know me know that in the fall, I decided to start a business and it was inspired by Passage to Profit. And what I started was a video directory of businesses. Yay! Yeah, right, Clint. And by going to your event, I mean, you had so many cool entrepreneurs at your event when we went there in September. So I started this in October. So what I started doing was making videotapes of interviews that I would do with small business owners and ask them about their business and then put these on a YouTube channel and a website that is a small business directory. Well, I was getting some traction and then COVID hit and it was like, now what? And then everybody got used to using Zoom. So I was like, well, I'm just going to keep doing it then. I'm just going to do it on Zoom instead. You know what? Right. You have to pivot. Right. And actually that worked out really well. And I had started focusing on attorneys, but I opened it up to all businesses, honestly, because I was going to networking events and people were like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. And I thought, well, if I do this right, which I plan to do it right. This is going to be the way directories are done. This is going to be the directory of small businesses and your videos will be on there. And Dara is on there. We did a nice video and it's very similar to what we do here at Passage to Profit. I ask you about your business. I tell you, you got 20 seconds, 20 seconds to get people's attention. Otherwise, they're going to turn to the next person on the list, right? So we start out with a hard hitting 20 seconds and then we go into a discussion from there. The videos are anywhere from two or three minutes to 15 minutes for some people. And it's a natural discussion about your business. So I've gotten, I don't know, maybe 20 people on the site now. Actually, COVID has helped me with this You got somebody from London yesterday, right? I interviewed somebody from London yesterday. So we're going international. So we're, we're, we're global already. So. Yeah, <laughs> it's so much fun and I love it. So yeah, everybody check out Fireside Directory. It's a great way to get the word out about your business. Great opportunity for your prospective clients to get to know you a little bit before they pick up the phone. And it saves you time because instead of going to networking events and driving there and shaking hands, people get to know you before they contact you. And you can be in many places at once on Fireside, which you can't do without the directory, without social media. So it's a real time saver for the entrepreneur who wants to network. Right. So the YouTube channel is Fireside Directory and the website is fireside.directory. So directory is the extension. And actually, I do want to say real quick that this did grow out of Quint's conference because I met somebody there named Sharon Be careful, he's going to ask for royalties. (laughs) (laughs) No, my conferences are open entrepreneurial marketplaces and conferences, so I'm not asking for any royalties. (laughs) So so I'm Sharon Wyeth, the naming expert. Yes, and I had a session with her where we kind of brainstormed what I could do for my own business. I got so excited at Clint's event. It's like, I've really got to have something of my own. And I went on the back burner. I woke up at 4.30 in the morning, two days later, and I had it. That's there great. you go. Congratulations. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. So Clint, you're in the business of creating celebrity entrepreneurs, and you've been very successful at that. You've written a number of books. I'm currently working on the last year of your life. Very interesting. Got me thinking about, well, what's really important to me? What's going to bring me the maximum happiness? I just finished the Income Doubler. And as you know, it was a great tool, very helpful for me to help take Gearheart Law to the next level. So tell us, what are you telling entrepreneurs now and celebrity entrepreneurs in the time of COVID? Now more than ever, who you are is more important than what you actually do. Because you talked about 
how your directory helps people get to know you and who you are, what you do, how you can help them. You talked about how 3M was keeping people from besmirching their good name, essentially. And that really is a factor of who are you. I say that really when you meet a person, I know a lot of people in the audience are trying to think of this right now. They're thinking, who are you and why should I care? Why should I give you my time? That's the most important resource that we have these days, especially with the extra, where are we at? Three point something trillion dollars in cash that's floating around allegedly in the marketplace, just poof, new money. There's lots of money out there. What people don't have is any more time. And so the reason that I do what I do is to help answer that question of who are you and why should I care, which is what every person is thinking when they first meet another person. And what I have discovered is that for entrepreneurs, there are really five great ways to influence who you are and why people should care about you. And I call this celebrity entrepreneurship. I found people like Mick Jagger, Snoop Dogg, Brooke Shields, Joe Biden, the front runner himself. He's employing this technique. Anybody who is trying to raise their status in the eyes of customers and prospects. Ice-T and his beautiful wife, Coco, who you guys also met, Martha Stewart. These are all people who understand that who you are is more important than what you actually do. And there's five ways that most people who are in this high-level game are trying to influence people about who they are. And the first one is going on media. The king of all media would be TV. Really, when you get to be big celebrities, when you get to be celebrity entrepreneurs along the lines, you know, let's take politics out of it. But I just want to say that before he became a politician, Donald Trump was a celebrity entrepreneur, the most successful celebrity entrepreneur of all time. He would get paid a million dollars just to show up, talk for an hour in an arena in front of 10,000 people, and then go home. That's celebrity entrepreneurship at its finest paying him for who he is more than what he just actually would do. So going on TV is one of them. Media as an overall category is another. That's why I have my radio show. That's why you guys have your radio show to create a media platform so that you have more status. Second way is to be a VIP speaker. That's why I host events like the one you guys attended at Carnegie Hall with Martha Stewart and I.C. and Coco. I have another one coming up very soon. This one right here with Dr. Oz and Dr. Drew. And if you were watching the Today Show on May 27th, you saw astronaut Mike Massimino talking about the historic launch of American astronauts on an American rocket going to the uh, American Space Station or the International Space Station and astronaut Mike Massimino was on that show. You may have seen him on the Big Bang Theory, and on May 27th, you saw him on the Today Show. Why does he do that? Why does he go on there? Oh, because yeah, he loves NASA, he loves space, but more important than that, he loves going on TV, especially on the Today Show, to position himself as a high-status person, an expert in what he does, a celebrity at what he does, and I'm paying him for who he is to show up at our event to take pictures with people. That VIP speaking goes into uh, the third one, which is celebrity attachment. That's what Mike Massimino is doing. That's what Dr. Oz is going to be doing at this event. That's what Dr. Drew is going to be doing. I've also have the Surgeon General coming, Jocelyn Elder. She was the 15th Surgeon General of the United States. Now she's 83 years old. She's in the highest risk category for COVID and coronavirus. And yet she's gonna to come to this event and meet all of the hundreds of people and take pictures with all of those people. So you gotta wonder, is this really the, the coronavirus and the pandemic, is it really about the disease or is it about something else? Gee, I wonder. 83 year old Surgeon General doesn't feel like it's dangerous. She's gonna show up. Fourth way is to write best-selling books. I'm working on a novel right now. Hopefully that's gonna really broaden out my career because you know I've been building my celebrity. If you go to clint.com, C-L-I-N-T-T-T.com, clint with three T's.com, and check me out, see who I am and why you should care. You'll see I've been building my celebrity over the years, positioning myself as somebody who, when I release a novel, I'll be able to go on TV and talk about the novel. That's the theory. Hopefully that'll work out. And I'll also be writing another best-selling book this year called Wisdom of the Men. And that's about the lessons that I learned mostly from famous people. I was gonna, you know, it's really interesting, Richard and Elizabeth. I was making a list. This is how I write books. I'm gonna teach you how I write books fast. I've written more than 22 books already since uh, 2010. This is how I write books. I make a list of what I wanna talk about, the topics. So in this case, I knew I wanted to talk about what I learned from Mick Jagger and Tony Robbins 
And Frank McCourt, my creative writing teacher in high school, won the Pulitzer Prize for his memoir. And Ringo Starr and Donald Trump and Jimmy Carter and Dr. Oz. I haven't finished learning from him. I'm going to learn more from him when I meet him in person at my event, August 789 in Atlanta at CNN Center. You know, people like that. But then there were also people like my dad and my grandfather and my entrepreneurship teacher at the Wharton Business School, Miles Bass, may he rest in peace, who said to us, when you're an entrepreneur, you always have to be looking for opportunities. <laughs> That's exactly how he did it, right? <laughs> and it was funny then, and it's funny now. <laughs> And, uh, and then there was another professor I had named Digby Baltzell, who was a legend at the University of Pennsylvania. He taught sociology. His book, Social Stratification in America, from the 1950s, coined the term WASP, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant. He invented that term. And, you know, I've learned a lot of stuff from a lot of men. And I was making my list of all the men that I wanted to write about in my book about the wisdom of the men. And I realized if I only wrote about the famous ones, the Dr. Oz's and the Dr. Drew's and Buzz Aldrin, who spoke at a conference with me at West Point and the most interesting man in the world and Caitlyn Jenner. I mean, is Caitlyn Jenner, Bruce Jenner. I should put Bruce Jenner in. Bruce Jenner is in. Bruce Jenner, Caitlyn Jenner, right? That's another one on the list. If I just put the famous ones that I've met, John Travolta, who was vacationing at the Royal Hawaiian Hotel when I was there a couple of years ago. If I only put the famous ones in, I had more than 45 major celebrities, instantly recognizable names. So that's what I've decided I'm gonna do. My book is just gonna be about the things I've learned from super famous people that everybody knows who they are and is interested in. And that's the fourth way, writing best-selling books. And the last way is to win awards, which is one of the reasons why I give awards at my conferences. I'm a mentor. People come to me for a result, but what I really have is relationships with people because this real secret of it all is that celebrities hang out with other celebrities. You've seen pictures of Ben Affleck and Andy Garcia and George Clooney and Matt Damon all hanging out together. You, if you look online and you search Ronald Reagan, John Wayne, and Frank Sinatra, you'll see pictures of those guys hanging out together. This is a, a marketing technique called celebrity attachment that's been going on since the beginning of Hollywood, since before Hollywood, you know, if you search for pictures of the founding fathers, there's paintings of them, because who else are they gonna hang out with? Celebrities hang out with other celebrities. As a mentor, I hang out with my celebrity friends because I feel, and Allie, my wife, and I honestly feel, the more celebrity friends we have, the bigger celebrities we are. So that's why we do what we do, and that's why people come to the conferences, and I'm really excited about this one that's gonna happen. When I did the conference at West Point, they canceled it on me. One month in advance, I got a call from some executive in the hospitality division at West Point Military Academy. He's like, sorry, Clint, I've been ordered by the top brass to cancel your event. I'm like, what? I got 100 people coming to my event. I got Buzz Aldrin, a West Point graduate. I got General Russell Honore, a three-star Army general. You're, you're canceling the event? That's, I got to talk to the guy who canceled the event. It took me three days to get to the guy who canceled the event. And he's like, nope, nope, you're out of luck. You're out of luck. And somehow, I was able to pull that off. And now I had the whole coronavirus, international pandemic, and the governor of New York and the mayor of New York conspiring to shut down my event, which was originally scheduled for June 12, 13, 14 in New York City. Mm -hmm. So somehow I have managed to reschedule this event, relocate it seven weeks later, and it's now going to happen August 789 at CNN Center in Atlanta. I got all of the talent, Dr. Oz, Dr. Drew, Mike Massimino, Jocelyn Elders, Patch Adams, the guy who inspired the movie, starring Robin Williams, Janae Noonan, world champion, gold medal, MMA fighter, female, and others. You're listening to Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt, our special guest, Clint Arthur. We'll be right back after this. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application, 
location that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law. www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G E A R H A R T L A W dot com. Together, we can change the world. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. We're on to our presenter part of the show. I hope you can stay with us, Clint. Ash, you are first. So what we want to hear from you is your one to two minute pitch, and then we'll have a discussion about your business. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Elizabeth and Richard, for having me. And I am here to talk about Etsy Trust Score. It is a startup company. And what we're really trying to do is we're trying to solve a billion fake accounts problem around the world, whether it's Facebook or other social media accounts. Our accounts are all over the place. Our credit cards are all over the place. Our names, our addresses, our passwords are all over the place. And what we're doing at SC Trust Score is bringing everything into one self-managed, self-directed online profile that people can use anywhere they go on the internet. All their digital lifestyle services can actually be on with the single profile that they manage and they give permission to others to use and they can turn that permission off. We are on a mission to fix a problem that's actually affecting our politics, it's affecting our society, it's affecting how we trust organizations and businesses and we want to take control over our digital lives. Right now, it's all over the place and I and the team that's working with me and with a lot of other people, we're going to achieve this. So has the product been actually launched now or is it being used by consumers or? Yeah, we're actually in development right now. So we're essentially uh, developing our minimum viable product and we should be out with this in the end of June. And then we will start developing a number of partners that will help us achieve this because this is actually something that I believe across the U.S. we need a lot of supporters and people who believe that it's about time for us to take control over our digital lives. Let me just challenge you a little bit here. So when I go online and I click a button and I'm going to buy something, I get like an input screen where they ask for my credit card and my address. I click that, the browser already fills all that stuff in there for me already. So what's the difference between a browser that does that and your product? Why would somebody pay money for your service? They would actually pay money for the service. And, and for the most part, actually, they will not pay us. Uh, any money per se, they will actually pay money for the services that they use. But the beautiful thing about using our service is the fact that your information is not going to be sitting in the browser where it is highly uh, susceptible to being stolen by fraudsters and online uh, identity theft takes place. And imagine how many other times and how many other browser pages have your information that's really where we're not really left with that sense of security. We feel at risk everywhere we go because it's all over the place. Your information gets replicated every time you share it. And we're trying to actually kind of take control of that and give you a sense of security because once you have that information and it's basically protected, then when you go on these websites, you don't even actually have to give them the information. Now we have ways where we give that company a token where they can charge your card but we don't give them your card. So that's the beauty of using SC Trust Score where all of this information is encapsulated and you only give them what they need to process the transaction. So what you've just described, Richard, is something I also see. I see, let's say Google Chrome filling in all that information. It makes it a little bit easier, but at the same time, it's very highly risky for most of us. And that's what we're all at risk right now because of that. Yeah, I like to see products when they're more advanced. Ideas are great. And I do think this is a good idea. Trust is getting more and more difficult to achieve these days. A lot of my TV clients are going on TV talking about how do you know who's real and who's fake? And that's a big, big issue. It's a bigger issue than anything. And it's one of the reasons why it's more important than ever to be somebody so that people can see you and know that you're real because most people are very, very skeptical. This is a big, big issue, Ash. It's a, it's a great market that yeah. you're trying to go after. It really is because your biggest problem, as Grant Cardone says, 
is that nobody knows who you are and that that happens on many levels so i think it's a good area to go after i just wish the product was more developed already and absolutely did i see on your website that you are going to be using the blockchain to manage this the blockchain is a technology of course a lot of people hear about it and what we're trying to do is take the complexity out of the conversation you're absolutely right so we stored it on the blockchain but from a from an everyday use perspective for us it feels like we go on abc.com website, we're trying to do some transactions, and then we activate our set profile. And with that information, we're able to transact, and then we close everything out and we leave that website without giving them anything that they will store on their own platform. Right now, that's the problem. Hundreds and hundreds of websites have our information and we don't have control over it. So how are you going to get the word out about this? What is your marketing strategy? Because I, I agree. I mean, I'm terrified when I, I mean, I still do it anyway, but I hit the button and the browser populates all of that information. And I know that somewhere somebody could get at that. There's no doubt in my mind. But you're still competing with this, right? How are you going to get the product out in the marketplace and get people to try this? Our initial focus is going to be on membership-based organizations that are also interested in protecting their members. So we're trying to use multiplied effects by working with membership-based associations that will, once they believe in this product, they will actually help us spread the word to their membership base, help protect the information of their membership even more. And at the same time, one of the benefits of working with us will be with companies that don't yet have traction they will come to us and have a base of users that they can reach to and help serve them because they will actually come to the platform having their digital identity already verified, their digital wallet already verified, as well as their sharing economy reviews that they have given on Airbnb or received on Airbnb and similar websites. So looking at opportunities where we can partner with one organization and that organization can lead us to thousands of other members to gain that initial traction. That's great. So unfortunately, we're coming to the end of our segment, Ash. How can people get in touch with you and learn about your product? So I think the best thing for people to do would be to go to trustscore.io, and that's when they can give us their email address, stay in our email list, and then as soon as the product is out, they will be one of the very first people to get access to the platform. Great. So trustscore.io. Thank you, Ash. Thank you so much. You are listening to Passage to Profit, the Inventor Show with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart and our special guest, Clint Arthur, on WOR 710, iHeartRadio. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearhart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit GearHeartLaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W.com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Time for our next presenter, Dara. And Dara's a client of the law firm. She has a fantastic app, and we've had her on the show before. We're happy to have have you again. Tell us about what you're doing and tell us about your progress. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate being back on the show. We developed the Blurb Spot app and it's a location-based accessibility app and with user input, locations or establishments that are sensory friendly, like dim lighting, low noise, wheelchair accessible, deaf friendly, visually impaired friendly, kid friendly, like a changing table in the men's and the women's room, can be blurbed about or cataloged to enable other users to know where the best places might for them so that they can patronize as well. It's important for some people to uh, have a working elevator. Some people with non-disabilities might take for granted. Adult changing table, braille print. Now that parks are starting to open up again, where could there be an accessible park trail? They can make an experience um, so much more enjoyable for an individual who might need it. And we feel that everybody deserves the opportunity to go places and to travel. And um, this is what we want to encourage, a more accessible world. And one thing that's really great about your app is that it's user-driven, so the people 
going to these places like the moms of the kids who need special considerations is putting the data in. That's correct. Right. So it would be like me saying, oh, I was able to get my mom's wheelchair through here. This is a great restaurant to go to. Yes, that's right. And it's a positive review as opposed to negative reviews. It's something that we want to praise and encourage other establishments to become more accessible as well. Great. And so where are you in the whole rollout process? I know that you're out there now. How is that all going? It's going well. It's slowed down a little bit since um, we're not out at locations as, as much, but it's amazing how, how important accessibility is and it can relate to this COVID situation that we're experiencing. If places were more accessible, it would be easier for people who don't have disabilities or don't have special circumstances to be able to navigate now in this COVID situation, such as wider aisles in the supermarkets. They would make it easier for individuals with wheelchairs to be able to navigate better and it would be easier to social distance. Going through a drive-through for an individual who is deaf, it's very important for them to be able to read lips if they might require it and now you have someone in the drive-through who has uh, a mask on. So now people are starting to make vinyl uh, windows in their in their masks so that they can read lips and be able to communicate. So it's important that accessibility, people are becoming more aware of it. Well, you bring up things that I've never even thought of as being things that are important. The name of it is the Blurb Spot, B-L-U-R-B-B. How did you come up with that name? Blurb, it's almost like a short praise. So that's what I wanted to praise locations that do have accessible locations and do have thoughtful combinations for others because you know, we can all be in a situation where we have a child who has autism or we, we become older, we're all growing older, we have mobility issues or vision impairments, and we can all be in a situation. So to go to an establishment that has thought about people, others, that's made those kind accommodations, it's a win-win because now the guest feels welcome and it's just gonna increase their bottom line, especially since there's over 1.3 billion individuals with disabilities in the world. Wow. And you have this on Apple right now, Apple phones, right? Yeah, so it's on both the App Store as well as the Google Play. You can download it. Clint, what were you going to ask? I think it's really good. Why are you doing this? Why do you care about this? Because I have three kids and I know how it feels. It's not easy to go places. And I have friends who have kids who are deaf and it's near to my heart because everybody deserves to go regardless of what you might struggle with. You have special needs children? Yes. You need to tell your special needs child story. And you need to talk about it. As soon as you got a good story, that's going to really help you to get on more media and start building up the credibility that comes with, you know, you have to get on local media because unfortunately the national media has very little credibility today. People mm -hmm. don't believe what they see in the national media anymore. They call that fake news. So it's not so great to be on the fake news, but on WOR, that's good. People believe what they, that's why WOR is, is doing so great right now. It's a local New York City station and people believe what they hear on the local news because it doesn't have the fake news national political agenda behind it that's driving it at the cost of all else. So you need to know your story. And if it's your app, you're the app, you own the app, you're, it's your app, then you're the face of the app and you need to be the Steve Jobs of your Apple, okay? Gotcha. Yes, thank you. Appreciate yeah. that. Dara, so great to have you on the show again. Can you tell us how people can find you? Um, you can go on the app and Google uh, Play Store and download the app. We also have a website, theblurbspot.com. You can find out more information about it, as well as LinkedIn. I'm on uh, Instagram in-app kindness and the blurb spot. Great. So everyone listening, go to Google Play or the App Store, download Dara Weislow's app. Yes, the blurb spot. E-L-U-R-B-B. So you're listening to Passage to Profit. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventing a toz.com inventing a to z.com email me lisa at inventing a to z.com treat yourself to a day chock full of networking education music shopping and fun go to my website inventing a toz.com now back to passage to profit once again richard and elizabeth gearhart 
really been a great show, but it's not over yet because we have another really, really cool entrepreneur with a really cool idea. I love his thing. So it is my pleasure to welcome Brian to the show. Brian, can you please tell us what you're doing? Thank you very much, Elizabeth and Gerhard Law. Pleasure to be back on the show, Passage to Profit. And uh, I'm very uh, blessed to reintroduce Dream Galaxy and share some updates that we've made since we last met. At Dream Galaxy, we believe that everybody has a story. And uh, what we are currently focused on is being an educational platform for multicultural content. Uh, And the idea is that people are able to create and submit stories in their own language or reflecting their own cultures uh, on issues or areas they care about, such as languages, seeing a lot of interest in arts education as they're being cut in in sort of the physical space. The, the, The online space is kind of replacing that as well. Uh, In higher education, uh, there's definitely interest in policy kind of conversations, uh, as well as technology, obviously, becoming the new norm. But all these things, and as we see the big shift in education, um, the challenge is how to provide education that's relevant, uh, that's engaging um, for, for both students and parents to feel like they can participate, and also for educators to have that unique connection that they need with their students. Uh, so they can inspire them to be more, to learn more, and become lifelong learners. Uh, and what we've had from teachers to date is that it's that cultural element, really, that becomes the starting point. Um, that that's what they're able to use to then connect to the students. Uh, and for parents, obviously, it, it makes their job a lot easier because then they don't have to debate between you know, teaching them like family values when they're home and then switching to homework mode, you can kind of integrate some of the very values that you wanted to educate your child in the educational curriculum. So since we last talked, especially with the COVID-19 situation, a lot of schools have been scrambling to really get online learning resources and materials. And traditionally, there's a very long vetting process. Uh, I know somebody spoke earlier around privacy, uh, especially in the K-12 education space. Data privacy is a very big deal. So what we've been able to do is work with third-party channel distribution partners that do the vetting of applications, uh, where we can submit our own privacy agreements so school districts are able to review that before they can approve the use of the application in in classrooms. Brian, can you tell us a little bit more about the applications? Are these films? Are they video clips? It's in multimedia format. So we take audio, uh, short films. If it's in a kit space, those are usually three to 10 minutes sort of short films. And again, they could be on different topics from language kind of films, uh, ads reflecting kind of uh, short stories. We've seen topics on like bullying, cyberbullying, privacy, kind of how do you int- introduce these conversations to children? Of recent, we're seeing a lot of conversations, a lot of animations specifically designed for COVID-19 sort of education around washing hands and, and, and social distancing. So uh, the beauty is that with animation and, and film and, and really multimedia, you can like uh, create unique experiences that are much more inclusive um, than the traditional textbook route. Excellent. The, the unique thing, though, is that we still rely on the, the teacher to be the facilitator. So our app is not a, you know, throw the kid in front of the computer and let them be. We still create room for that play-based learning. So there's a lot of um, professional development as well, using storytelling, play-based learning, so that, again, it's not boring education but using stories to engage and educate. So Brian, these stories come from all over the world, is that correct? In the person's indigenous language. So is this how people would use it? Like, let's say I'm a Spanish teacher, I would take a story that somebody shot in Spain and I would play that on this app for my class full of students and then we would talk about it. Is that how people are using it? Yeah, for most people, they're using it again to sort of bring that inclusivity into the classroom. So you can have a textbook on U.S. history, for example, which if you look at different curriculum from different states, Mm -hmm. they actually are very different in terms of what they teach, like what they teach in Oklahoma will be different from what they teach in New York. 
Uh, and I think recently New York has this uh, cultural uh, relevance requirement in some of their educational standards. So a lot of states are beginning to recognize this value of redesigning curricula so that they are actually reflecting more of the truth or the reality. I, I know history, history is a bad example because history is, 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 can be relative to who's telling the story. But I think that's part of the, I would, I would use one, one other positive example. We're seeing also other schools uh, reintroduce entrepreneurship kind of training in the classrooms. Uh, so a quick example there is then using, like uh, the first speaker mentioned, how do we use famous uh, entrepreneurs or innovators from these communities? So if you're teaching entrepreneurship at CUNY College, CUNY schools in New York, how do we use New York entrepreneurs to help these students really understand how entrepreneurship is going on in their own communities? These kind of local connections, these kind of cultural connections in learning help students see knowledge, whether it's science, if you, if you talk about STEM in black neighborhoods, how do we use uh, historically influential mathematicians that helped NASA, you know, send that spaceship? How do we use those kind of influential figures in the education curriculum to really then help the students be more excited, be more engaged, and feel like they also could be those successful figures. So uh, the power is in the storytelling aspect of education. And we're constantly reaching out to more communities to be more inclusive. And I think that that's what both parents and educators love about the product. So Brian, how do you manage the quality of the content? Are you drawing from professional filmmakers or are you relying on amateurs, people with cell phones? How do you make sure that the content is of a certain standard and also absorbable by young students? We've really, as we've become more education focused, we're really collaborating with schools and, and educators and really getting a feel of what they're looking for. What we're doing by engaging on a district level, right? We're able to understand more what districts are looking for and be able to curate the backlog of content that really meets their needs. Uh, on an international level, for example, in Africa, we're partnering with the Association for African Universities in Higher Education. So again, by working with consortiums in academia that maybe don't have the technical expertise to design these systems, but they understand the kind of content they need or they can produce some of this content. We are seeing that they are in turn becoming some of our largest partners in terms of content production. So that really helps us feel much safer knowing it's coming from the educational community. Am I right in thinking that this is a very story heavy site? This site is about stories? Yeah. Okay, well, you need to have your own stories to help explain it. And in today's day and age where you have so little time for people to get what you're trying to sell them or else they're on to the next, you need mm -hmm. to be able to explain it quicker and more effectively. And I think that telling a few stories of how different users are using the platform would be helpful in getting across the way people can use it for themselves. I think that's great advice, Brian. I think you're doing great work. People want to participate and learn more about your project. How do they find you? The fastest way is our social, which links to our website. So the social handle is I Trust Culture at I Trust Culture on both Instagram and Twitter. And the app name is Dream Galaxy. So thank you very much. Well, thank you very much, Brian. Time for a break. You're listening to Passage to Profit. We'll be right back. What are entrepreneurs' most valuable assets? Their passion and ideas. We can't protect your passion, but we can protect your ideas. Trust Gearheart Law to protect your ideas with premier patent, trademark, and copyright services. There's never been a better time to start your own business. Contact us at GearheartLaw.com. At Gearheart Law, we have years of experience protecting entrepreneurs' ideas and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at Gearheart Law, www.gearheartlaw.com. Don't let the wrong protection strategy ruin your business. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection and are licensed and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Contact Gearheart Law on the web at G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T law.com together we can change the world this ad has been read by a non-attorney
Disney spokesperson. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. So welcome back, listeners. My name is Kenya Gibson, a.k.a. The Media Maven, and I'm here with Richard. Good to see you again, Kenya. Yes, we're back for IP we Success are. Stories. Oh, one of my favorite segments. And we've uh, got a really good one today. We do. So we're going to be talking about trade dress. It's really a little-known theory of trademark law, and it covers not only marks but also products. And so we had a client once, not so long ago, who was making calculators. They were green with purple buttons. Hmm. And so they didn't file a patent. They didn't file a design patent, but they were caught up by an infringer. And so one of their biggest clients, Walmart, was getting approached by this infringer and they were getting undercut on the price. And of course, our client was having the product made in China. And so was the infringing product being made in China. Interesting. So I, I don't pay much attention as a consumer. So I'm walking through the Walmart aisles. There's all these calculators that there are right, on. all these calculators. You know, there are a dime a dozen. Right. Right. And then there's one that or two that look not identical, but very similar. Well, so the competitor was trying to undercut our client on price and they mm. wanted to replace it. And I guess they figured that the calculators look so similar that people wouldn't be able to tell the difference. So they did it on purpose. So they did it on purpose, right, simply to undercut our client. And uh, they didn't have a patent. But what we did was we looked at the product and we realized that they had a trade dress claim. And that's a specific type of claim in trademark law. And we wrote them a cease and desist letter but what we also did was we copied the Walmart legal department on this cease and desist letter. And so while the infringer may not have stopped, Walmart decided that they didn't want to have anything to do with any products that could be involved in any lawsuits, and they dropped the product. And it was a big victory for our client because they got to enforce their mark and their rights without ever having to file a lawsuit or do anything except write a letter. Right. And they didn't even have a patent. So it was kind of a really good case showing what you can do with intellectual property. You should always protect things with design patents and trademarks if you can. But sometimes if you're late to the game, there are still things that can be done. And there's people that are out there that are watching what you're doing with your product and are willing to copy it oh, right, in hopes that you don't recognize what's going on. Absolutely. And they probably checked. They didn't see a patent, so they probably thought they were home free to do that. And as part of the damages, we got the name and the address of the infringer's manufacturer in China. And so our client was able to go to China and get them shut down there, too. So it was a, a big victory for very little cost and a great outcome for our clients. Yes. And what did we learn, kids? It pays to have a patent. It does. <laughs> Get those patents when you can. But if not, there still may be some opportunities. So make sure you talk with a professional, preferably. And they some, should talk to you. They should come to Gearheart Law, and we'll talk to you about it. There's so. a free consultation. There's a free consultation. All you have to do is call us. Our number is 908-273-0700. Or you can find us on the web at www.gearheartlaw.com. So before we go, just explain to me a little bit about what secondary meaning means. So in order for this trade dress thing to work, you have to show that your design acquired secondary meaning in the marketplace. And what that means is that consumers would recognize the source of the product based on the way it looks and that you have a reputation for that particular product. And so in order to establish secondary meaning, you have to show that consumers associate the look of that product with your company. Whether we could have ultimately done that in this case, I'm not sure, but it was enough to get Walmart's attention. They thought the case was strong enough that they didn't want to mess with it. And so they decided that they were going to work with our client and they were not going to work with the infringer. Interesting. And that's how I feel like a lot of knockoffs get into the marketplace. It's a huge problem, uh, especially for simple consumer products that are made abroad. Sometimes it's the same factory that's selling products to different people. So you go and you have your product made, but then on the night shift, they take the product, they make it again, and they sell it someplace else and you don't know about it. So patents are really good tools 
for helping to prevent that kind of intellectual property theft. I think about a slinky. Remember those the toys? Yes, yes. And how many there were other knockoffs there were, but there was just something about the slinky that was so different. Part of it is the trademark is a incredibly well-known brand, and there are still slinkies that are being imported into the United States from all different places, and they're not the original slinky, but they use the slinky name. And Slinky has actually been very active. I can tell you this from personal experience. They've been very active in policing their trademark and keeping those counterfeit Slinkies out of the market. I bet, because then you get the little not-so-good plastic ones that don't slink. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Who wants that? And who wants that? Yeah. (laughs) Nothing worse than a disappointing Slinky. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Well, good stuff here. So, again, where can people set up a free consultation with you? Just give us a call. Gearheart Law. It's 908-273-0700. That's 908-273-0700. Or GearheartLaw.com, www.GearheartLaw.com. And patent infringers beware. And trade dress infringers, too. (laughs) All right. There's never been a better time to start your own business. The opportunities are infinite and only limited by your imagination and enthusiasm. At Gearheart Law, we believe the most successful companies all have one thing in common. They start with a solid foundation first. Gearheart Law has years of experience protecting entrepreneurs, ideas, and brands using patent, trademark, and copyright protection. So if you have a new consumer product, a new software application that you're planning to build or sell, or a brand or company name that you want to protect, contact the experts at www.gearheartlaw.com. Our professionals will create a custom strategy designed to fit your needs and your budget. All of our attorneys are passionate about protection, licensed, and qualified to represent you before the United States Patent and Trademark Office. Don't start your project without calling us first. Visit gearheartlaw.com. Together, we can change the world. Visit G-E-A-R-H-A-R-T-L-A-W dot com. This ad has been read by a non-attorney spokesperson. Hey, what's going on? It is the Mohawk and Real Talk and Living Fully Business Bully, Dave Anderson, and I love Passage to Profit. It's an amazing opportunity for entrepreneurs to put their businesses out there and get real sound advice from two of the best people in the business to help you protect your ideas and furnish your dreams in a way that is going to be spectacular. You have to check out this show. And please, just don't check out one episode. Don't just check out my episode even though it's the best, I need you to subscribe right now. Go to wherever you listen to podcasts. I don't care if it's iTunes. I don't care if it's Google Play. I need you to subscribe because you need to feed your business needs. I'm telling you, this show is going to change the course of your life. Passage to Profit is it. I love it. Go get it. Listen to it. Woo! Now more with Richard and Elizabeth. Passage to Profit. I'm going to summarize who we had presenting. So we had the one and only great Clint Arthur. You can find him by typing in C-L-I-N-T-T-T. And he has ClintArthur.tv. Yeah, I'm going to give him a little booster. Go to his programs. Go read his books. He has a lot of great wisdom and things that will help anybody who's running a business or an entrepreneur kind of get out there and, you know, get noticed, which can only help. Ash Sadiq with PressedScore.io to help you protect your information online, especially your financial information credit cards, et cetera. And we had Dara Weislow with The Blurb Spot. That's B-L-U-R-B-B spot, theblurbspot.com, where parents put in information into an app saying, hey, go to this place because it's great for kids that like to throw tantrums. I'm just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Really, it's like it's wheelchair accessible or they have a place where there's a changing table in the men's room, that kind of thing. And it's totally driven by the parents and the people using it. And then Brian Asincia with the Pearl Dream Inc. or Trust Culture. And he is gathering stories, incredible educational stories that kids actually want to listen to for teachers to use in their online classroom. Passage to Profit. You may also be watching it too on our video channel. And we look forward to seeing you next time. You're listening to WOR 710, The Voice of New York. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. 
Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.